with you for another episode of the Knicks Film School Podcast. We are coming at you live, and I say we loosely because there is no we, there is only me. Uh, and I am coming at you live um, from my kitchen. It is 11.30 at night. I have just walked in the door after a long ride on the Long Island Railroad. Uh, coming from Slattery's Midtown Pub in New York City. You know, let me tell you what kind of a night it was. Um, got to Penn Station. Um, I had, I had actually not not had that many beverages um, at at Slattery's tonight because I was busy selling tickets to um, try to raise some money for the Garden Dreams um, for. Um, in exchange for the signed Kevin Knox jersey that we auctioned off tonight, um, which I'm proud to say we raised uh, almost $1,000, so that's pretty cool. Um, so I got to Penn Station, and I was like, I'm feeling okay. Probably don't need another drink. But I could probably have another drink. So I went to the um, little... Cubby, I don't know what you call it. I guess a cubby is probably the best name for it. That has all those taps. If you've ever been in Penn Station, it's it's not the one where they have the cheesesteaks. It's the other one. It's the one where on one side it's all the beer on ice and all the taps on the, and on the other side it's like all of the baked goods, which is an interesting, you know, dichotomy. Baked goods and beer. Um although oddly enough, I purchased a croissant, so Go figure. Anyway, um, I got there and I'm like, all right, I can have another drink. And I got um, a large cup of, I think it was Sam Summer, I want to say. Took it on the train with me. Didn't really, you know, wasn't truly feeling it on the train. Got to my stop. Looked at the beer, it was like 75% full, and I'm like, well, I can't leave it on the train, can I? So I grabbed it, and I took it off the train with me, and as soon as I stepped foot on the train, off the train, I was like, what are you doing? You're going to like walk home with this? You're going to drink it walking through the streets of Massapequa Park? Um, so yeah, I, I tossed that that baby in the garbage. But yeah, it was that kind of a night. So, um, the Knicks were involved in some uh, festivities tonight. Um, I was on the train reading some of the um, commentary after this evening, and I think Sam Vecini for The Athletic put it best when he wrote that this may have been the most, I forget the exact word that he used, but he basically said that this was, you know, the most monumental draft lottery in the history of the league. 
And and I don't think that was an understatement. Um, and here's why. There were, and, and again, this is the first year that we have these new lottery odds. So instead of the top three picks getting this real giant advantage, um, or the top three odds, rather, getting this real big advantage for the for the top three picks, the advantage is evened out. So now, if you have the top three odds, you have an advantage, but it's not a big advantage. And I think a lot of people entered tonight figuring that, you know, there might be a team or two teams that would sneak into the top four that weren't supposed to be there. Um, I think that's what conventional wisdom had it. And sure enough, there weren't one or two teams that snuck into the top four that weren't supposed to be there, but there were three teams that snuck into the top four that weren't supposed to be there. And it's funny because I just got home and I just, you know, checked my phone and uh, my, my compatriot... My partner in crime, JB, on the Knicks Film School account, you know, he retweeted the New York Daily News. And of course, they have an article out, which basically, and and I predicted this this morning. I called it. I wrote it. I literally wrote it in black and white in our newsletter that if the Knicks don't get the first pick tonight, there will be people out there who paint this as a failure. And those people are idiots, and they think the people that read the words that they put on the page are even bigger idiots. And I say that in full acknowledgement of the fact that while I was there in the bar tonight, seeing the Knicks not get the first pick, of course I was disappointed. Every Knicks fan is going to be disappointed. But... When you think about this season and you think about what was at stake going into tonight, and and I say at stake purposefully because what was at stake tonight wasn't just the first pick or the second pick, but it was the fourth pick or the fifth pick. And more importantly, if we're talking about what this season was about and what the Knicks hoped to accomplish this season, and we could, you know, talk about their development and culture resetting and all that good stuff until we're blue in the face. I'm not getting into that right now. But the idea that they wanted to put themselves in the best possible position entering this offseason, okay? So here we are, and there are four top lottery spots. Four. Three of those spots were occupied by teams that weren't supposed to be there. Only one, one, was filled by a team that, based on the odds, was supposed to end up there. And that team was the New York Knicks. So, and I I hate that I even have to talk about this, because this is nonsense. This is math. It's math. It's not, you don't earn this. You don't, you know... (laughs) <laughs> there, there, there is no you know ethos to this stuff. It's you play the season, 
based on the record you get, you you have certain rights to certain lottery picks, and it is what it is. But the fact of the matter is, there will be people that will make out the fact that the Knicks ended up with a third pick in this draft, and we'll get to what that means in a second, as some type of a failure. When, you know, if they had won two more games or three more games or four more games or five more games, guess what? They could have ended up like the Bulls with the seventh pick or the Suns with the sixth pick or the Cavs with the fifth pick. And in a lot of years, that might not be that big of a deal, but in a season and in a draft where, you know, and, and in, the NBA, in the NBA, perception perception matters a lot. And the perception right now is that this is a one-player draft, but if you go beyond that one player, it's a three-player draft. And there's Zion, and then there's a gap, and then there's Morant, and there's Barrett in some order. So for anybody to come out of tonight acting like it wasn't, I'll say, fortuitous um, for the Knicks to get a top three pick is nonsense. And it's ridiculous, and, um, you know, it just makes me annoyed. Not angry. It takes a lot to get me angry. I don't really get angry very often. I'm kind of a calm guy. Um, annoyed, yes. I'll get annoyed. Occasionally. So, yeah, that got me annoyed. Um, the benefit of the Knicks winning 17 games this year and very often playing basketball that was bordering on unwatchable was... They could not fall lower than five, which, again, those other teams that had the same lottery odds as they did to win the first, second, or third pick, um, they had the chance to fall below five, and guess what? They they fell below five, or at five in Cleveland's case. Uh, the Knicks didn't. So that's good. Um, so I just want to say that because, you know, I it, it's, again, it's it's math. And they had a 60% chance of getting the fourth or fifth pick and a 40% chance roughly of getting, actually less than a 40% chance of getting a top three pick. And they got a top three pick. So, you know, that's why I tweeted out a few weeks ago, you know, top three pick or bust. And I did that for a reason. Um, And they got there. So, look, is it the night um, many of us were hoping for, wishing for, praying for it? No, but it is a good night. It is a good night for the fan base. It's a good night for the team. It's a good night for, you know, whether you're a person who is sitting there rooting for a slow rebuild and another season where they don't win a lot of games and they play the kids. If you're rooting for all that, this was a good result for you. If you're rooting for a season next year where the Knicks become contenders and sign KD and sign, you know, Kyrie, Kemba, Kawhi, whoever. Pick your pick your second banana. If that's what you're rooting for, this was a good a good day too. Because ultimately, everything about the NBA, forget about the draft, everything in the NBA is about value. It's about asset maximization. And again, going back to the point I said a minute ago, perception matters a lot. 
And again, the perception is that this is a three-player draft. So the fact the fact that there is in their third spot a player in R.J. Barrett, probably, although it could be Morant, who was, again, unquestionably the number one prospect um, before the season started. And, you know, there are a lot of people that are still fans of his game. I think that matters. And I think it matters whether the Knicks want to pick him, whether the Knicks want to trade down from the third pick and acquire multiple assets in the draft, future drafts, whatever the case may be, or try to use that pick in an attempt to trade for a star. And this is where this draft gets interesting. So... If you think of all the scenarios that could have taken place um, on Tuesday night, one where the Pelicans ended up with the first pick and the Lakers ended up in the top four was probably one was probably the one that if you had to, you know, take a guess, would be the thing that would cause the absolute most chaos. In the NBA. And here's why. Going into this summer, and and this was reaffirmed by Shams um, not 10 minutes after the draft was over. Everything, every other domino was going to be defined by what happened with Anthony Davis. The reporting has been out there that a trade for Davis is probably going to get done around draft time, whether it's a few days before the draft, on draft night, a few days after draft night, whatever the case may be, point is, it's going to get done before free agency starts. So given that that's the case, AD is going to be the first domino to fall, and everybody else comes after him. So the fact that the Lakers got into the top four is significant. Now, if they got the third pick and New York got the fourth pick, would that be a different story? Yeah, I think it would. Because for as much as someone may be in love with, you know, Jared Culver or Hunter or Garland or any of these other guys, um, you know, there's something to be said for a GM whose ass is on the line and who wants to make sure they start things off on the right foot. And David Griffin in New Orleans wants to start things off on the right foot. R.J. Barrett is something that he's going to be able to sell to his fan base, to his ownership, to everybody involved. Um... The Lakers, with the fourth pick, are not going to be in a position to draft R.J. Barrett. That being said, they're still going to be in a position to draft somebody really good. And they still have Ingram. And I I tweeted out um, something a few minutes ago, basically ranking the Knicks and the the Lakers lottery, uh, not lottery prospects, their assets, more or less. And I ranked Ingram number one 
and a lot of people immediately got on me because of his his health concerns. I know he has the thing with like the what is it thoracic outlet syndrome. I think is is the name for it. Um, my read on that is that based on what I've read, it's not going to be a huge issue moving forward. So between Ingram and Kuzma and Ball and the fourth pick, the Lakers are going to be able to make a real offer for Anthony Davis. And I know, I know that there are a lot of Knicks fans listening right now who are like, that's great. Let them have Anthony Davis. Have a ball. Enjoy him. Um, and I get that. And that's fine. And that's a, trust me, that is a perfectly valid stance to take. But even if you are not someone who advocates for the Knicks trading for Anthony Davis, there are, there are two facts that are somewhat undeniable. One is that if the Knicks trade for Anthony Davis, um, it puts them in a better position to have a successful July than if they do not trade for Anthony Davis. That's number one. Um, And two, their safest bet to end up with a star um, going into next season might be to trade for AD. And and I say star, you know, with a capital S because I'm high on Anthony Davis. I know a lot of people are like concerned about the injury history and the whole thing. The dude is a top five player right now and he's 26 years old. And the fact is, and this is why I think getting a number three pick was so important. Even if the Lakers put everything on the table, fourth pick, Ingram, Ball, Kuzma, you know, the whole thing. By getting the third pick in the draft, the Knicks could beat that offer. Because the Knicks have two more two more picks in their coffers than the Lakers have. They have both Dallas picks, and now... Thanks to tonight, we know that one of those Dallas picks will convey in 2021. Um, who knows how good that pick is going to be, but it, at least it's a tangible asset. So they have that. They have the other Dallas pick. They have all of their own picks. They have the third pick in this draft. And then they have stuff. And this is where things get messy. Because this is where, as a Knicks fan, I don't want to sit here and say the name Mitchell Robinson. I don't want to say his name because I don't want to think of a future where Mitchell Robinson isn't on the Knicks. And the reason I don't want to think of a future where Mitchell Robinson isn't on the Knicks is because Mitchell Robinson is awesome. And he seems to like being a Knick. He seems to be the type of leader this team has craved for a very long time. Um... And he seems to be the best version of that type of rim-running, shot-blocking, switchable center that um, can make a lot of offenses hum in the modern league. It's what the Rockets 
hoped Clint Capella would be in their series against Golden State, but he didn't live up to to what they hoped. Mitch, I think every Knicks fan thinks and believes, will live up to that ideal. So, in addition to all those draft assets, they have Mitchell Robinson, they have Kevin Knox, who I know he didn't have the greatest rookie year, um, but he is still a legitimate asset. And they have some other stuff. You know, Damian Dotson is like, you know, he's a he's a guy. He's a, he's a player. Frank has potential. Dennis Smith Jr., I know, again, not the not the asset he was when he was drafted, not the asset he was even before the season, but he's still an asset. Um Trier, Alonzo Trier, another guy. So it puts the Knicks in an advantageous position because if they want to make the best offer for Anthony Davis, thanks to what happened tonight. I think they'll be able to do that. Um, is there a chance Boston pushes all their chips in the middle of the table with Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum and the Memphis pick, which now becomes top six protected next year? It's a really good asset. Plus the Kings pick uh, from this draft. Plus their own pick from this draft. Um, plus the Lakers pick from this draft. All that stuff. Could Boston beat whatever the Knicks have to offer? Yeah, they could. You know, throw Smart in there. It, it it's still it's still the best offer. Um, and that matters. But you know, reading the tea leaves, will you know? Will Boston offer the full? You know, the full boat, the full. Uh, you know, what What do they call it when you go to the sushi restaurant and you get so much sushi that they have to break out, like, the wooden boat to put your sushi on? Because they can't just put your sushi on plates. They have to actually, you know, get, like, a fake, a fake Japanese ship to, you know, to, like, stack your sushi on as if it was invading, like, some foreign land. Like... Unless, like, Boston could still do that. They could put all their sushi on the boat. Unless they want to do that, though, I'm going to go out on a limb, and I'm going to say the Knicks have the best offer. Because guess what? Guess what the subtle, little silver lining. It is the smallest of silver linings, mind you. But it is a silver lining. Is from tonight. Is that the team that ended up with Zion can't beat you in an offer for Anthony Davis because they're the team that already has Anthony Davis. And that's where we get into the final thing that I want to talk about, which is the fact that this draft was won by the New Orleans Pelicans. And I think this is interesting from a lot of perspectives. Um, One is the fact that with Zion in tow, so to speak, it almost ups their incentive to really reboot this thing from the ground up. 
And that could mean a lot of things for the Knicks. It could mean, again, assuming that the Knicks put everything on the table that they could put on, it means a trade involving R.J. Barrett and a whole bunch of other stuff. But it could also mean other things, right? It could mean, obviously, trading Drew Holiday. And if Kevin Durant wants to come to the Knicks, but will only do so if he has a second star willing to come with him, well, you know what? Drew Holiday is a pretty good player. Um, you know, would if even if the Knicks lost out on Anthony Davis, would they be able to put together a smaller package for Drew Holiday? Who knows? It's possible. Um, but I think... I think the most fascinating thing, the thing that I'm wondering more than anything else, is based on the reports that, you know, Zion was, was kind of going through that commercial break, hoping, praying, wishing, um, wishing upon a shining star that he would end up with the Knicks. And... You know, I haven't seen any reporting on this. Obviously, who knows what's going to happen. But is there a power play at stake here? Is there an opportunity for Zion Williamson to basically say, um, I don't want to play basketball for the New Orleans Pelicans? Is that possible? I don't think it is. Because if you're David Griffin and you have a superstar in Anthony Davis who is basically demanding a trade and you have a, a, a rookie who you're, you know, you have his rights for four years at least, if, you know, obviously, and then he's a restricted agent, free agent. Um, would you really give in to that, that rookie? Um, how much wave? How many waves could he possibly cause for you to trade him? I, I'm not saying it's it's likely. I'm not saying it's even it's even in the realm of possibility. But it is it is interesting to me, if nothing else, the fact that maybe the most marketable rookie to come into the league. Um, since LeBron James ended up in a place and in a market that just doesn't seem to care a whole lot about basketball. And I'm sure there's going to be some Pelican fan listening to this right now that is going to DM me or quote tweet this or whatever the hell and be like, kiss my ass, we care a lot about basketball here. Well, you know what, I've been to New Orleans a couple times, I have a pretty, I got a pretty good read on that city. Um, all due respect, it's not in the same class as, as New York or for that matter, a lot of other cities. So that's the only other thing I'll throw out there. Um, I'm fascinated to see what happens. And I, the one other thing I'll throw in there is the fact that the, the Grizzlies getting the second pick and the fact that the Grizzlies are not a real great destination. Um, I think that also goes into the Knicks favor. Because, you know, and this also obviously, you know, for the Lakers too. The fact that the two most desirable destinations in the NBA, theoretically, 
got the third and fourth picks in the draft. I think that matters well. You know, it matters for both of them, not just the Knicks, but but the Lakers as well. So we'll see how it all plays out. Um, it was a fun night. There's a lot of energy in in the bar. I, I've never heard a, a like a I don't even know what to call it a yell. It wasn't a yell or a scream. It was like a roar. It was like a, a it was like a guttural. I don't know. It was I I could I felt like I could have heard it from like miles away when they revealed the fifth pick and it wasn't the Knicks. Um, it was something I will never forget. I will never forget that sound. And it was very cool um, because. This city and this fan base is ready for some good and some special. And what happened tonight, even though it wasn't the best outcome, it was an outcome that puts them closer and puts us closer to that end end goal than um, we probably should have been, at least based on the odds. That's all I got. I've been talking for 29 minutes. It is now midnight. And I think I'm going to attempt to go to bed. Um, We will see you with another episode of the Next Film School Podcast uh, very soon. If not at the end of this week, then this weekend. But, um, yeah. Third pick in the draft. Could have been better. Could be worse. Let's go.